Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And in Olympia, Washington, I'm Andrea Ballard. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. This week, we're kicking off our first listener-requested theme month with, drumroll please, bread. Whether you're new to this category or already up to your elbows in flour, we have a variety of recipes, from soft pretzels to sourdough, to keep you busy and your bellies full all month. First up, a no-knead loaf that broke the internet, and a chat about the basics you'll need to guarantee successful bakes. And Andrea will fill us in on her cooking class with Joy the Baker in New Orleans. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, nothing delights me more than when our listeners post photos of the things they're baking in their home kitchens in our Facebook group, Preheated. I love it. I so agree. I just get such a thrill seeing the community. Just They're so supportive of each other, and it's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling. It really is great. And we had some excellent entries in February that I wanted to shout out. Carolyn, in tribute to the Olympics, made some really cute cookies. Uh, with Mardi Gras going on, Lydia put out a pledge that she was going to attempt a king cake, and then I was so impressed to see that she followed up and did do it. Uh, Lydia also made a bouchon, and I got into a long conversation with her about whether or not I should purchase that cookbook by the same name, Bouchon by Thomas Keller, and she suggested getting it from the library first, so I already have it on my uh, request list, and I'm excited about that. Oh, great. Valentine's Day, Amy made some beautiful cupcakes, and with a snow day, Thea popped out some maple cinnamon rolls that look so good. I know. One of my favorite entries, though, a girl after my own heart, listener Vicky, rendering some leaf lard. Vicky, Vicky has been with us from the very first episode. Vicky is in uh, Kentucky. Yes, is this? Is I this Vicky? think you're right. I loved that. It was really nice that I thought she broke it down step by step for yes. people who have never done it before. You know, the, she used the phrase in the end of white gold, and that is what you want. Your final result should just be this beautiful snowy white leaf lard. So I had mentioned on there, if you saw the comments, I did this the first time I ordered a pig. I rendered my own leaf lard. It turned out beautifully. The second time I got my own pig the next year, I again ordered leaf lard. We were using a different butcher this time. I followed the same procedure and I ended up with a very brown lard that tasted kind of porky. And my, oh. Yeah. So my thought is that that particular butcher did not know that leaf lard is from a specific place on the pig and I just probably got some back fat or just some regular lard so just yeah right yeah yeah so I can probably use that um, to make some other things tamales or you know other things that just require lard but I'm not going to use it in my pie Ooh, although you know what it would be good in is in that savory 
pork apple and cider pie we made a couple of episodes ago. I bet it would. It would just enhance the flavor of the pork stew. Ooh, you should yes. give it a try before you before you toss it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've got it in my freezer. I just haven't found a whole lot of applications yet. So yeah, maybe I'll just start using it in some savory pies. I, I think I'll start doing that. So anyway, I hope listeners, you will continue to post in our Facebook group because Stefan and I are completely delighted by your entries and your photos. And we have so much fun seeing what you guys are up to in your kitchens. Yeah, we definitely do. And we are so thrilled, speaking of our listeners, to take your advice and do March as our bread month. So this was a a vote we put to listeners back in January and bread came out the winner by a mile. We are thrilled to do it. And thank you, everybody, for supporting me because making more bread was my 2018, uh, one of my baking resolutions. So you all are making it really easy for me. Speaking of that, Andrea, you are familiar with the actor Hugh Jackman. Yes, uh, of course. Wolverine, you know, uh, the, the greatest, the greatest showman. showman. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, he was recently interviewed in Vanity Fair magazine, and they asked him a variety of questions. One was, Hugh, what is the best host gift to give? Any guesses what uh, Mr. Hugh Jackman says? I would think Hugh Jackman might say a bottle of scotch. A nice guess, nice guess. No, no. Hugh Jackman gives his guests homemade bread. So Hugh, hope you're listening to Bread Month. (laughs) Love it. Hope you can pick up some tips here for all your guests. And also toward that end, you guys, uh, we are going to do another preheated book club, which is a really popular segment. We're going to do that in the last episode of the month. So later on in March. And the title we are reading is called Sourdough, very appropriate, the author Robin Sloan. So if you want to read along with us this month, it's a fairly petite-sized book. It is very fast-paced. You have read it, Andrea. You're finished with it, rather. I am about three-quarters of the way through, and it is a great story about making bread and making connection. And uh, yeah, so join us if you'd like to, to participate in that review and book club later this month. Yes, I know we have a lot of listeners who are avid readers, so I'm hoping some of you will read along with us. It'll be really fun to have a group discussion and get your thoughts and opinions on this particular book. Kicking off Bread Month, we are introducing a recipe from Alexandra Stafford, and it is called No Need Peasant Bread. Stefan, as you referenced in your introduction, this is the bread that broke the internet, which I think means that it just got so many downloads and shared so many times that it slowed things down quite a bit the day that it came out. I think that's right. And we want to give a special shout out to our loyal listener, Dana, who when we were asking uh, for bread recipes uh, in the beginning of the year, she she put this one up and it caught our attention. Lots of what uh, intimidates folks about making bread is the kneading process. This bread recipe takes that step out entirely. Andrea, I have not made a bread, a yeast bread, that doesn't require kneading. Is this a new kind of philosophy or bread type of recipe for you? It isn't new for me because I make that no-knead cast iron bread all the time. That's right. That is, in fact, one of my favorite recipes. Now, the downside to that particular recipe is 
part of it being no need, it takes 18 to 24 hours to rise. So it does require planning. And that's one of the reasons this particular recipe by Alexandra jumped out at me so much. It is a one to one and a half hour first rise and then a 20 minute second rise and then 30 minutes in the oven. And so pretty much two to three hours from start to finish. That's just going to work really well with my lifestyle because <laughs> there's a lot of times where, for example, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to make soup tonight. And I'll, I'll have that thought kind of mid-morning. What I would really love on a soup night is a nice homemade bread to go alongside it. But if yes. I'm making my recipe that requires the 18 to 24-hour rise, I can't do that. So yes. that's where I think this one is going to come in really handy. I am really intrigued with this recipe also. I'm like you. I love the idea of having the idea for bread and then the finished product appearing within the same, you know, uh, few <laughs> hours what a what a wonderful what a wonderful thing and listeners will remember that I made a lot of bread in my bread machine but I left that behind in the states I did not bring that with us to the UK and one of my baking resolutions as I mentioned is to make more by hand so a few things to point out in this recipe uh, first of all I just think this is a very well written recipe it is very clear she is very thorough and in fact has some in uh, extra steps or or uh, alternate steps uh, depending on what ingredients you're using, what products, uh, what what vessels you're going to be cooking in. So the, the first is that she calls for instant yeast. That's different than um, what's called an active dry yeast. Instant yeast does not need a liquid to become active, uh, whereas active dry yeast does. So Alexandra helpfully offers both ways, but the recipe does, as written, does call for just instant yeast. Here in the UK, that's called easy bake yeast. The other thing is this is a bread made in a Pyrex bowl. Now, I think you want to be really careful. I know Pyrex has recently started manufacturing what they call an oven-safe Pyrex bowl, but I have Pyrex, but they are not oven-safe. And I am going to take her final tip, tip number six, which is that if you don't have these kind of bowls, you can multiply the recipe one and a half times and put them in two bread loaf pans. So that's how I plan to do this. But just do make sure and take care before you put a, a treasured Pyrex into the oven. When I saw her explaining which Pyrex bowls to use, you can imagine my excitement because as a 50s kitchenware collector, there's very few people out there who know the Pyrex bowl numbers. And, you know, when she started talking Pyrex number 441 and <laughs> Pyrex number, you know, 322, I was like, oh my gosh, this woman knows her Pyrex. So, so you could crack that code? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and in fact, I showed my husband and he was like, oh, oh my gosh, let me show you our selections. I mean, he pulled out probably 10 different bowls I could have used. It was so much fun. And what was so much fun about it, it, it has had never in a million years occurred to me to bake in those bowls. I use them to mix. I mean, they're a really nice small size, that one quart size. Um, for example, if I am whipping a small amount of cream, or if I am separating egg whites from egg yolks, or Mm, I don't know, just it, it's just a small, maybe a small sort of a single serving salad size. But sure enough, I flipped it over and they all said oven proof on the bottom. And so I was a little nervous uh, because we do get our bowls from the vintage stores and they're not new, but I am confident based on her level of instruction that it's going to be fine. And it does say oven proof on the bottom. So I'm just so excited to be able to use something that I collect and it's not just collecting, it's actually being used for the purpose 
it was intended for. I'm so excited. I love that. Yeah, and so then if you don't, just um, as I'm going to do, uh, you just up the ingredients by one and a half times and put them into two uh, of your normal bread pans, normal size loaf pan, and you can go from there too. So um, pretty basic otherwise. You got your bread, your salt, or sorry, your flour, your salt, your sugar, your instant yeast, some water, and then buttering your um, your bowl or your, your loaf pans. So I am really looking forward. I also wanted to toss out for anyone who wants a little bit of variation that she does have a few options for substitutions at the end in terms of using some whole wheat flour instead of all-purpose or bread flour or and or mixing the whole wheat flour, which she oh. suggests, yeah, she suggests you okay. first get the recipe down with your all-purpose flour, and then you start modifying. And I think that's a good suggestion. So for anyone who maybe is looking for something that's not just all-purpose flour, you know, read that whole recipe. I agree with you, Stefan. It's a very well-written recipe. It's very interesting. I love the fact that she calls it my mother's peasant bread. I just, I love that connection between people in their kitchens, baking with their mothers or their grandmothers or their husbands or, you know, whoever that treasured person is. That was another great conversation on our Facebook preheated group recently about who your favorite cooking companion is in the kitchen. Yes, so many cute pictures and really nice. And of course, thanks to your mom too for being such a good sport with all those apples. <laughs> and and she had to do the potatoes too for the mash. Oh. I mean, she was she was peeling for quite a while. She was. What a uh, trooper. Thanks, Betty. One last thing I want to add on this no need peasant bread. Stefan, you mentioned in London that the instant yeast is called what? Here it's called easy bake yeast. Easy bake yeast. So, I know uh here in the states, of course, you can see it as instant yeast, but you also might see it as quick rise yeast. So I just want to- Or bread machine yeast. So oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we've yep. got all the options <laughs> Got a lot of choice. There. I love that on a recipe with only four ingredients of which one is water, we still have a lot of things to say. So that's really great. Remember, we will have a link to these recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Pinterest and our Facebook pages. Well, along with what we hope is a real fail, safe, and easy entry into bread month, we wanted to talk about some of the essential ingredients and also tools that we use. I think one thing that we both use, Andrea, and thanks to you, I now have a new one of these, is a bench scraper or a plastic scraper. Yeah. I think that's going to come in handy so much when making this recipe because you let the dough rise in a bowl and then you, you kind of pull it toward the center of the bowl after it's done with its rise and a bench scraper is is if you picture a silicone uh, spatula rubber scraper but without the handle and so you just are able to manipulate dough much easier and get really under I find it's a little stiffer than a silicone spatula would be and I really use it a lot for bread making so that's definitely one and I, I thank you for that new one that you sent me what a treat that was. Well, you're welcome. I should tell you, to be completely transparent, that was a giveaway at the Cascadia Grains Conference. Was this a re-gift then? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I, it's not a re-gift if you go to a conference and you bring home swag. I mean, that is just a time-honored tradition. 
You send it to London? I mean, you, that was really nice. The one thing that I did notice when I was in those baking classes at that conference, every single one of those chefs, when they were making bread, one of the first things they did was they had a tall plastic jug, maybe like a one liter or two liter jug, just, a, you know, just a plastic vessel. They filled it about two thirds with water and then they had that bench scraper in there. And they were constantly dipping that bench scraper in the water and then using it to scrape away, you know, as you mentioned, on the sides of the bowl. And then also once they were shaping and forming and it was on their bench or on their table, they were using that. And I thought, oh, isn't oh. that interesting? You know, that's something that I, I do use my bench scraper, but I hadn't thought about dipping it in water as I'm working to keep it nice and moist. Nope, had not thought of that. Yeah, that's that's an excellent tip. I think too how you, we uh, how we raise our dough or rise our dough counts for a lot. People say, where should I put this? You know, it just says cover loosely and put in a warm place. Well, uh, years ago, I read a tip to boil a cup of water and put it in an enclosed space like a microwave or an oven. This isn't on, and then you put in your covered bowl of dough with that. Uh, moisture from the boiling water is just enough to let that uh, to let that rise. So that's been very successful for me. Andrea, how do you um, do your rising? That is a great tip, and that would be successful for me if I had a microwave. Um, I, but I really do need to create a warmer environment because we tend to keep our house fairly chilly. My, my house is always between, I would say, 60 and 68 degrees. Yeah. And I had read a tip once that if you place your dough in the oven with the oven light on, that, oh, that right. just the little bit of heat from the oven light is enough to rise it up to the temperature that you need. And so that's what I tend to do. And the added bonus to that is when the oven light is on, it makes me stop and pause before I turn my oven on and accidentally cook my rising bread dough because I'm trying how to preheat sad. my oven for something else. How how sad that is. Yes. yes. <laughs> I have done that not once, but at least twice. And it is such a mess if I'm using plastic wrap or such a danger if I've got a tea towel in there covering my bread. Now, luckily, I usually dampen my tea towel first, but it's just such a stupid thing for me to do. And that oven light makes me pause and go, oh, why is my oven light on? Oh, look, there's bread in there. Yes. <laughs> classic. Oh, um, no. Another thing that I find essential is what I call a proofing basket. Are you familiar with this, Stefan? I don't know this term. No, tell okay. me. Okay. So if you go on King Arthur Flower, for example, on their website and you type in proofing basket, you will find these proofing baskets. They are often made of willow reeds. They're coiled together. You know, they, they're sort of got a flat bottom and then the sides rise up. I want to say they're maybe between $10 and $20. I'm not entirely sure on the cost. And then very often you also buy a liner, which is kind of a canvas cloth. And that's another, I don't know, 8 to $10. Uh, I always had kind of wanted one of these proofing baskets. It's, it's just a good way to rise your dough and have it hold some structure. And and it okay. also can get a nice, you know, it can get those coils in it. It can kind of get a nice pattern in it. And then I got a tip from my one of my local baking friends, Meg, that does the folktale bread. And that's my um, bread subscription where I get a loaf of bread from her every week. Let me tell you, that's why Wednesday is one of my favorite days of the week. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Well, you know, she obviously needs a lot of proofing baskets because she's baking in quantity. And I asked her where she got those and she kind of laughed and said, Cash and Carry, that's our local restaurant supply store, 99 cents each. So I ran over there and sure enough, I mean, now these are not the made in Germany willow baskets, obviously, but they serve the same purpose. And oh, nice. um, yeah, so that and then you can just use a tea towel in, in the yes. actual basket itself. So that's okay. something that I like to use. I mean, basically, it serves the same purpose as putting it in the Pyrex bowl, like Alexandra Stafford is recommending, because that way it will rise up and hold a shape. Yes. And, you know, another thing that we've talked about uh, fairly recently, too, uh, is how the weather affects your baking. And here is a place where it certainly does. So if you are baking bread on a day that has a lot of humidity, if there's moisture in the air, if it's raining, if it's cloudy, then you may be needing to add in more flour. And often in bread recipes, you'll see these kind of vague instructions to add, you know, between five and seven cups of flour. Well, that's a big difference. What do you mean between five and seven? And, And it's for that reason that you are having to just kind of manipulate and feel how that dough is coming together with these other elements. And so if you're a beginner, you might want to start on days that are a little more dry and sunny, see if you have some better success. But just know that it would not be odd to make the same recipe on two entirely different days and have it use up more or less flour depending on what the weather is doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Next up, you guys, we are so excited to introduce a new mini segment. Andrea and I have been talking for several months now about the fun cooking classes we've been taking all over the world. And we thought we'd introduce a new cooking segment called Cooking with Class. Love that. And up first is Andrea, who had the distinct pleasure of doing a cooking class with none other than Joy the Baker. And you guys might remember Joy the Baker. We featured her strawberry rhubarb pie last month. So Andrea, I cannot wait for this update. Yeah, this was such a fun thing. So I knew I was going to New Orleans to visit my family. And I had seen that Joy the Baker had started something called the Bakehouse. And it is situated in a neighborhood right outside of the French Quarter called the Bywater. And based on the pictures on the internet, you know, it just looked like a home kitchen, albeit the most beautiful home kitchen you've ever seen. And I just thought, gosh, I would love it if I could ever go to one of those classes. Well, sure enough, as soon as I booked my ticket, I went on her website and lo and behold, she was having a Galette du class. And so that is a classic French king cake. Okay. I went and my niece went and my sister-in-law went and there were three other people in the class. So there were six people total from all over the country. I mean, obviously I'm from Washington State. My niece and my sister-in-law are from Louisiana. There was a lady from Winnipeg. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. A long ways. And there were two people who I thought this was so fascinating. You know, in Washington State we have snowbirds. People who live here during the summer and then go to Arizona for the winter. Winter. Both yeah. of these people were snowbirds, but they winter in New Orleans, which I had never thought of doing. Well, why not? It's lovely there in the winter, isn't it? Compared to where they're from, yes, which you okay. know, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was something like, you know, Minnesota and Dakota, where they were like, yes, yeah, we're good with 40 degree temperatures and no snow. And meanwhile, from the end of Christmas until Mardi Gras is just six weeks of fun, fun, fun in New Orleans. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, gosh, that is such a fun idea. Neither one of them knew each other. So it was interesting. They were both sort of living that same lifestyle. So huh. we gathered in the kitchen and Joy is such a wonderful teacher. I mean, she 
is aptly named. She <laughs> is truly joyous. She would demonstrate something, and then we would do it ourselves. And it was very relaxed. Uh, there was not a lot of fanciness, which I loved. Okay. I mean, like I said, it was a beautiful kitchen, don't get me wrong. But she was still using regular things, regular bowls, yes. regular spoons, you know, regular knives. Um, you know, she ran out of stuff. She forgot things. I love that. You know, yes. there, there were um, at the very end of the class, I noticed there was this bar, uh, bowl of almonds on the table because I had been eyeing them the whole time and thinking, I wonder how we're going to use that. We never did use it. Okay. And so I finally said, like, hey, what's up with these almonds? And she looked at me and just great big smile on her face. She's like, oops, I forgot. We were going to put those in. So, you know, with the traditional king cake, you'd put the little plastic baby with the scallop de bois. You would tuck a little almond in. And that would be your favor or your little secret that you have tucked in there. And Oh, instead of the baby. Yes. Okay, yes, got it. Yeah. Got it. And, and so it was just little things like that where she would just go, oh, whoops, forgot that or, you know, that kind of thing. The other thing that she did that I thought was really fun is she showed us the base recipe, but then we had numerous options. So we had grated lemon zest. We had grated orange zest. We had nutmegs that we could grate. We had rose water. Oh, um, yeah. We had an old New Orleans spiced rum that she had added a vanilla bean to. So there were mm. all these things that then she was like, feel free to combine as you would like. So you might just want to do lemon. You might want to do orange and rum. You might want to do rose water vanilla, you know. And so every one of us made a king cake that was a little bit different, even though we were all using the same recipe. And that was so much fun. And this was one of your 2018 baking resolutions was to find what you called a template recipe, which is a recipe that you could modify as the urge or the taste struck you. And so that sounds like it's perfect for you. It did. It hit all of my desires. I was so happy. It was such a fun class. And I do want to make a shout out for that old New Orleans rum. I loved it. <laughs> Of course, it's optional, but you know me. I was like, oh, my gosh, why wouldn't I put this in here? And so then I decided that I needed to get some before I left New Orleans. And that ended up being a two to three days of going to various stores, looking for this rum. It's, you know, a specialty rum produced in small batches from a local company. So finally, right toward the end of the trip, I hauled my poor mother and father down to a distillery. <laughs> where I was able to purchase the rum from this company, and they were absolutely wonderful. They were such nice people, and they packed it up really nice for me and a lot of bubble wrap and everything so I could get it home safely. And so um, now I am thinking about making a rum cake with that particular rum. And I've already – I got home, I opened up the bottles, and I put my vanilla bean in so that that's sort of soaking and making it a little more um, good for baking, and I can't wait to use it in some baked goods. So listeners, if you have any ideas about recipes that use rum and vanilla, I am all ears. Well, is it too early to start your eggnog for next winter? <laughs> oh, I mean, that's immediately what popped in my mind. I'm like, how good is this eggnog going to be? She's, oh my gosh. Okay, well, there's no way it is too early to start. <laughs> It is. Okay. I, I'm actually shocked that I'm saying that because, you know, for me, it's never too early for Christmas. But yeah, I think it's too early for the eggnog. I am going to put a little pin in that because I'm definitely going to want to do that come holiday time. Yeah, so just make sure you. you have enough when that comes around. Set some aside. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so how long was this class, Andrea? A couple hours? Half three a day? hours. Yeah, three, three hours. hours. Okay. So we did our baking first. And then obviously, as things go into the oven, you need to amuse yourself. And so she had a wonderful project for us. We sat down on this beautiful table and we made crowns for our cakes. And so it was a Aww. nice coloring project. She had all these beautiful watercolor pens. And, you know, that sort of adult coloring book movement is not something that I personally have gotten into just because it struck me as one of those things that I would buy all the supplies and then never actually do anything with it. Mm, And then I would feel guilty about it. And so this was perfect because I got to indulge the need to make something. It was small enough that we were able to do it from start to finish. I got to use all of her supplies so I didn't have to buy any special watercolors or anything. And, you know, then I'm done with it. I kind of got that coloring urge out of my system. So it was really fun. It sounds great. And, you know, listeners, it's a wonderful way to see a city in another way, to meet people who are also visiting or who are also locals. And so if you are doing cooking classes, either where you live or where you're traveling, we would love to see your recommendations, your pictures from those classes and what you're baking up. So share it with us. And you can also use, can we do a hashtag now, Andrea, since we're on? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So you could do hashtag cooking with class because that's what we're calling uh, our little preheated segment. So Absolutely. I'm definitely going to do that. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get this episode onto the cooling rack. We hope you enjoyed our initial roll in the dough. Next week, we'll review the no-need peasant bread and introduce a family favorite, hot buttered soft pretzels, as well as talk about some bread-related yummies you can whip up for St. Patrick's Day. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and Twitter at preheatedpod. And if you like your show, please do tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you download our podcast. Here's one of our latest reviews on Apple Podcast by Denny's Lemonade, Sweet, I love to bake and enjoy hearing about Andrea and Stefan's adventures and misadventures. And they have a delightful banter that makes me laugh. So thank you, Denny's Lemonade. Thank you so much, Denny's Lemonade. We love that. We love all our listeners. Thanks, you guys, for being so supportive. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. We hope you enjoyed our initial roll in the dough <laughs> next week. Okay, sorry, I'm going to redo that. <laughs>